but that moment and it can only be it can only be like a two second moment millisecond moment even where you go okay that is the moment I got that moment and if you can then identify what those singular moments are and why they're interesting to you then that helps to then build your kind of style and voice you know to help package it up hey there this is allison jacobs with the creative frame podcast thank you so much for joining me for episode four where i'll be talking with nally robinson who is a talented photographer currently living in dubai her use of light her connection with her subjects and her defined style and voice really shine through in her work. So we're going to be talking about that and so much more today. Let's dive right in. Hi, Natalie. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Creative Frame podcast. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. It's so, um, so it's, I'm so flattered that you've asked me to do this. So yes. it's amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you. I really love... Um, the sense of connection that you have in your photos and you have such a strong just sense of, I think, voice in your photos. And I'm just excited to get to talk to you about that. So let's just start off with having you share a little bit about how you got into photography and maybe a little bit about what your main area of focus is right now. Yeah, no problem. Um, that So I, uh, where to start? So my background is actually in training and development. Um, and I'm from the UK originally, although I live in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And we've been here for 10 years. And so my background is in training and development. And that was when I was in the UK. Um, and then when we moved out here to Dubai, I kind of had um, a period of life where I had a two-year-old and I was heavily pregnant when we moved here. And I thought to myself, I do want to go back to work after, you know, a bit of maternity leave. Um but I didn't want to go back to doing the training and development side of my role, which actually is ironic because as we'll go through, I'll talk about how actually training and development has come back into my role quite a bit. But um, at that point, that wasn't something I wanted to pursue again. And so I decided that I wanted to start my own business doing something, not sure what. And then separately, I went on a photography course because I was always interested in photography, always creative as a young, you know, as a young um you know, teenager and child growing up, I was always quite creative with painting and graphic design, but never had picked up a camera before. Went on this photography course and I came out and I said to my husband, that's it, I am going to be a family photographer. And he was kind of like, okay, well, let's just see where that goes. You know, <laughs> is this a whim or is this a real thing? Um, and so it kind of led from there and I was as many of us started, you know, we were all taking pictures of our kids to start off with. Um, and I would take the camera to parties and I would take the camera um, to days out and I would take photos of my kids and learn as I go. Uh, and then very swiftly, I started having friends ask me to take, sh you know, to do shoots for them. So I started doing that and then it just, you know, one thing kind of led to another and then, you know, 10 years, well, not even 10, I started in 2012. So eight years down the line, kind of, you know, I've been on this cycle of family photography now. Um, and obviously we've stayed in the UAE um, and the market here, I would say for family photographers is vast. I mean, it's such a transient population that there are constantly, there's constant churn of new photographers and there's a constant churn of new people. So I've been able to build a business quite successfully based on that transient population. I mean, how that differs in somewhere where the population is not so transient is a completely different business model, but um, it's worked really nicely for me here. Um, so that's kind of where I've come from. Um, and then where I'm kind of now is, you know, 2020 has been so strange for all of us that I just... It's, it's actually the first time I've had the opportunity to take a break from client work and to focus on personal things. And I didn't consciously, you know, when we had all the strict lockdowns, when did it start? March time. I didn't consciously think, right now I'm going to move into personal work. It was just kind of happened. I kept picking up my camera every day. Um, I kept finding new things to photograph in and around my house, which we'll then talk about a little bit more um, as, as, our, as we go on. But, you know, that is now 
that is now a massive part of my own for myself and my own creative spirit and my own creative um, style and voice is sitting really nicely alongside my client work. Whereas before 2020, it was very heavily client work um, and not so much personal work. So that's kind of where the point I'm at now. I really like how you see the client work as a little bit separate from your personal work, because for me, when I see your work as a whole, I feel like there's such a common theme throughout with the way you use light and with the way that you capture connection and emotion, even the way like your perspective and the way that you crop in on some of your frames. Um, I can see that in your client work and in your personal work. And so um, maybe that voice has just gotten stronger for you as you've had more time to focus on the creativity and the projects uh, with having fewer clients uh, due to our current world situation with, with COVID. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, um, I, I feel like at one point in my work, if I look back, it was quite clunky. Like there was definite, there was a definite separation between what a client shoot would look like and how I would shoot my kids. Um, and now I feel like, and that's definitely the growth for me and what I'm looking, looking for, like in 2021 is moving those two things more together. Um, I still feel like, I, I mean, I do go to client shoots and we can talk about it, but I do have like shot lists in my head, specific things that I'd love to get um, that is all about connection with, you know, mother and child or father and child or siblings. Um, whereas my personal work um, has moved, I think, as my kids have grown older, from documentary when they're young into a bit more, um, how would you call it, a bit more... Um, what's the right word? Intentional. So th there's a, there's kind of a difference and I'm trying to now bring more of that intention into my client work and give a bit more direction because I feel like my client shoots are quite go with the flow, natural kind of thing. So, yeah. That's interesting that you can see that progression. And as your kids have gotten older, the way that that connects with how you're shooting your clients as well. Yes. So when I see you post your work, like on Instagram and on your website, I really can see that voice and style come through. And on your website, I noticed that you described your style with some words like candid and honest, vibrant, true. And I can see all of that shining through. Can you share a little bit about your journey for finding your style? How'd you come up with those words to describe your work or did the work happen first? Like kind of what was your journey with, with finding that style that really shines through um, for you? There's a couple of things. So um, first of all, I really love descriptive words, like juicy, descriptive, um, tangible kind of words. So that has always been quite a natural um, thing for me to do. So, so that's part A. And part B was I started doing daily uh, journaling. In about 2017, this was. I started doing daily journaling and um, the, in the artist's way, Julia Cameron calls it morning pages. So I do these morning pages and a lot of stuff of what comes out of my mind is descriptive words of how I'm feeling or the senses or like, like quite um, tangible words rather than to-do lists, you know? So when I was thinking about my, you know, when you're writing a website and you're writing a text and you're trying to, come up with what your vision of what you would like to aspire for your client shoots to be. You know, I would refer back to the, those little things that have been coming up and those threads that come up throughout those, those daily journals, um, throughout all of my like previous journaling, you know what I mean? Um, but I think writing those descriptions was always something that I wrote as like an aspiration. So I want my photos to be this when I'm at a shoot, if I'm not feeling very grounded and I feel like things are getting a little bit um, not the way I want, to go, want it to go at a shoot or it's just not what I was envisaging, then I kind of come back to those words in my mind, like, am I capturing connection? Am I capturing joy? Is this a happy moment? Is this, you know, am I capturing interesting light? So it's almost like a mental checklist for me of to keep me on track. 
as a tangible way to keep me on track. Does that make sense? Yes. And that is actually such a tangible tip. I think I've never thought of using words to help me stay on track. I noticed on your website, on your blog, you had a creative exercise that, um, where you're recommending people sit down and, and find some of those words and have them established somewhere and use those to help drive that creativity or drive that vision. And when I read that creative exercise on your blog, I wasn't even thinking about how you could incorporate those into family sessions. So I love that you're doing that as a creative exercise on your own, but also as a way to help you stay focused when you're doing those sessions. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's um, it's definitely a process of a, like your development as a photographer to get to that point. You know, that wasn't, I wasn't doing that in 2012, 2013. I wasn't even doing that in 2017. This has been like the most recent kind of transition. Um, and now what I'm now trying to push myself forward even more is to find like, is the word in my mind is essence. So trying to find the essence of a family. So what is making, what makes their soul, what, what details um, make this family unique to a different family. Um, and it's not their surroundings. Well, it, you know, it is their surroundings, but it's, and it's the things that they choose to put in those surroundings as the, as the box you know, that you're photographing them in, but it's the intricacies of their relationships, the way they look at each other, the way they hold each other, the way they talk to each other, things like that. Um, and through some of the techniques that I use at family shoots, um, which are mainly based on the super feel method, if you've heard of super feel, um, uh, that has been, you know, something that has really helped me focus on the relationships that I'm photographing rather than everyone looking and smiling at the camera, you know, that sort of style. I have not heard of that. So maybe we can dive into that a little bit. I'd also, I'm curious to know if you ask your families for some words or if that's something that when you meet them and you're photographing them, if you're looking for ways to identify that essence or do you get that information from them ahead of time and then try to help bring that out? Um, yes. Yeah, so I do have a client questionnaire that I send to families ahead of time. And that's got things, I mean, off the top of my head, I, I mean, how many times have I looked at this client questionnaire and then I can't remember the specific questions, but it's things like, um, what games do you like playing as a family? What places and spaces in your home uh, mean the most to you? What memories would you like to, what, what, what um, things do you want to commit to memory um, when I'm there? Um, and you know, the best, the best kind of clients, the ideal clients are the ones that say, um, well, we love baking and we love creating and we love music because then you know already that these are the things that are part of their family um, values and family interests that you are there to then, you know, capture and kind of send to your, send to your clients around. It's really awesome when families can identify those things that might seem every day. Like we love playing board games or we love baking. We love listening to music. Because I think that capturing those everyday moments is really important. We do that, yeah. I think, naturally as photographers for our own families. But to have somebody come in and have everybody be a part of that, I think, is, is really um, yeah. such an important piece. I know it is. And I think um, also, I mean, I grew up um, living abroad a lot, most of my life, actually. So when, we were, when I was five, we moved to the States. So I was living in New Jersey for a couple of years. Then we moved to Belgium. Then we moved to Singapore. So actually, and my parents have been out of the UK for over 30 years now. So the UK is a home for me, but it's not where we return to. And so with that in mind, like the longest I've lived in a house is five years. And it's this house, you know? And this, so this house for me personally has so many memories. And I think for my kids, it's going to have so many memories. And so it's important that we're capturing that for our kids, but that, you know, if you, if you don't have the ability to do that, you get somebody in to do that, you know, and that's, that's, um, you know, one of the benefits of, um, how am I trying to get to it? But one, one of the things that I came up with when we were kind of in the, you know, strictest of lockdown, when we were all at home and home suddenly became like the center of our universe and was the most important place to be, um, was 
thinking about how I, I as me, myself as a photographer and moving my business forward can then turn that into an opportunity to capture these, you know, life at home with your kids and, you know, in, you know, daily life, because it's not something that certainly in Dubai, it's very, um, it's very transient. So the in-home, I feel that the in-home family photography genre isn't as popular here in the UAE as it might be in other places around the world. Um, you know, clients in the UAE generally love having like the beach or the desert as their backdrop. And for me, I suddenly realized during, you know, when we were all in lockdown, that actually that's tethering your family shoot to a place that you don't go to very often is is some, somewhat strange in a way. Whereas doing shoots at home um, is a new thing in this kind of region, but definitely something that um, I think, you know, once people see the value in it and see what a family shoot looks like at home, you know, minds are kind of opening to it a little bit more. It does make sense. And I think it could be important too, even with people who maybe aren't staying in one place for a long time, it almost could be more important because this is just the short time that you're in this house, in this place. And so is that part of the origin of your uh, one unique home yeah. session that you started offering? Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah, definitely. Because, you know, first of all, when you're shooting at home, clients are much more relaxed. Um, usually it's the mother that has booked me. So, um, and for her, she wants her kids to be engaged, you know, in the photo session that's happening. Um, and I find that children are so much more um, interested in welcoming somebody into their home, showing you everything, showing you their important things, their medals, their trophies, their books, their cuddly toy, their bed they sleep in, the artwork they created, all the little things, um, that are going to be memories for them one day, you know? Um, and I think now my kids are now t uh, 12 and 10 and uh, seven. And these, these small things are fading in their memories, you know? So it's important that we have photographic, you know, evidence that these things happened. Um, but also for me as a photographer, I find that the home shoots interest me a lot more um, just from a, a creative perspective because a you don't know what you're going into in terms of lighting backgrounds spaces that are good to shoot um, and I find that is a nice challenge when you're arriving somewhere new rather than going to the beach that you know every nook and cranny of the beach you know <laughs> and you have the same routine on the beach whereas in someone's home it's completely shaken up you know and um, the, the lights different in different places uh, in people's homes so creatively, I find that that kind of scratches my creative itches um, more so than beach or desert or outdoor shoots. I could see at the, moment, at the moment. Yes, I could see that holding true for you in the way that you use light in your work. When I look at your work as a whole, I feel like you have so many different ways that you use light. It's not just all backlight or all shadows or soft light or one certain time of the day. I feel like you have such beautiful light all throughout your work. And um, I saw that you made a video of using light in your, it was your own home, right? At different times of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about how you put that yeah. together? Yeah, so um, in the United Arab Emirates, we are blessed with 365 days of amazing sunshine, pretty much. <laughs> so you can imagine we get super bright light. Uh, the sky is extremely blue. Um, it does get hazy sometimes, and you do get a yellowish light sometimes, but it's uh, pretty much day-to-day, -day, you know, sunshine. 365 days a year um, when we were so the, the light map in my home there's two things about that the first thing is when I teach photography to um, new wannabe photographers one of the things that I encourage them to do and one of the creative exercises that I encourage them to do is to do a um, uh, like write a list of where the sun rises notice where the sun rises 
what's the kind of light coming through in your front room when the sun is rising or your you know the other side of your house depending on where you're you know where the sun's rising um where does it set where is it brightest where is it darkest what happens when you open windows what happens when you open doors so to to start working with the light and thinking about the light that you've got available to you in your own home and i i did this exercise years ago um for myself but then when we were in the the home lockdown I thought to myself, this is a really good opportunity to start doing this again. And it just so happened that I was, um, during that period, I just felt quite creatively motivated to pick up my camera every day as a break from, um, as a break from online schooling <laughs> that I was helping my kids with. I was like, right, you're doing your break time. I am going outside with my camera and I'm just going to capture different things that I see around my house. And it, the idea of the light map wasn't a conscious thing it kind of came into existence after the event when I looked back at all the pictures and I was like oh I've started capturing light from 6am through to sunset how cool would this be um to to kind of put it into time order and I was also quite inspired very inspired by two photographers that um you might have heard of Chloe Lodge and Cindy Kavanagh they've been running a project 52 for the Love 52 project, which I've been involved in. And one of the exercises that they did with all of our um, images, we all had to submit images, was to do a light map. So I sort, sort of took that concept and thought, okay, well, I can apply their concept of what they've done with all, all our images, because it was so beautiful, um, and apply it to my house. And then just see how the light changes across the time, you know? I did notice there were specific times of the day where I didn't shoot and then went out consciously to fill those kind of gaps. But um, doing something like that uh, helps you to understand the light that you've got available, how to use it, how to use different types of light, how to get your kids to do things in certain types of light that work well. Um, so I think technically helps your technical skills, but also your um, ability to kind of read a situation and read the light available to you. Yes, I think it's a great project. I've done smaller scale projects where I've looked for light in my house at different times of the day. I do work full time during the week. So that makes it a little bit more challenging to see what the light looks like throughout the day. But on the weekends, I could do that, of course. I don't feel like I pick up my camera as much as I should, though. So when I saw your video with the timestamp all throughout, I thought that could be a really good challenge for myself because I do tend, and I think it's probably common for photographers. I tend to just, I know the light that I like and I know the places that have the light that I like. And I tend to just go to those lighting situations. Yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? Like trying to push out of your comfort zone um, and shoot in direct light, for instance, or in super bright light that you wouldn't normally be shooting in. Um, and that's, it's a, it's another kind of way to boost your creative, uh, creative juices, I guess. Yes. So speaking of different projects that we can do on our own, maybe in our own homes or around the areas where we live. Do you have any tips for photographers who are searching to find their own voice and style? Yes, I do. I have, I, I've actually written some specific notes on this one because I thought this is a really good, um, this is a real, I love a bit of tangible, uh, tangible lists. Um, so first of all, I found that, you know, you go, you flick through, scroll through Instagram, you go through Facebook and you see so many, so much information. We're so bombarded with images, um, influences. Um, we should be shooting like this. There's other photographers in our area doing this. And you do get this inner voice in your mind, which is like, okay, well, I should be doing that or I should be doing that. And I think it's trying to, first of all, silence those inner voices by choosing five people. So I call them my famous five, right? And my famous five list does change quite regularly but there are some steady ones who've been on there for quite a while. Um, so it's like five photographers, or not necessarily photographers, people who you follow. So for me, for instance, Morgan Harper Nichols, I love everything she does, everything she writes. She is one of my famous five. She's been on my list forever, right? Love everything she does. Um, but it's selecting things that you're drawn to 
but you can't necessarily, you don't necessarily understand why, but you then allow them to be your influences. And everything else, you kind of just scroll, you know? You see it, but you don't let it kind of percolate into you. But your famous five, you, you know, your top five guys. Um, that's my first tip. The second one is trying to go back and remember what you loved when you were young, okay? And then thinking about how you can then bring that out in your work. So for me, I used to always oil paint at school, throughout school, I was really into oil painting. But when I think specifically about why I loved oil painting, it was the texture and it was the color. And it was the, um, you know, when, when oil paint dries, it's like, it's, it is textured, right? That's the only word for it. So things like that and the color and the vibrancy, and it's not diluted like watercolor, it's strong color, right? So those two kind of as visual elements, I used to love, I still love, I don't paint now, I probably really could do, should do, um, maybe that's something for 2021, but that is something that I would love to replicate in my work, texture and colour, okay, so that's my second thing. Um, oh, and also along with that, another thing that comes, that, that is really strong for me, thinking back to um, when I was younger, you know, I was, we moved around a lot when I was young, every three years, my dad was on a uh, with a company where it was very contract based. So we moved countries, complete countries, and you had to connect with people very quickly, very swiftly, uh, find the common ground, find things that they're interested in, find things that you're interested in, and make a connection somehow. So I've always felt that I've been quite, as one of my strengths, quite good at connecting with new people, having, on, you know, on first meeting, and finding ways to make them feel comfortable um, with me and for me, for me to feel comfortable with them. So for me, going into a family shoot, for instance, with somebody I've never met comes quite naturally, you know, and is one of the reasons um, I enjoy this job is because I'm constantly meeting new people. So things like that. Um, what else about finding your own voice and style? Um, I love the concept of... Um, when you're shooting and you are you get that kind of sensation and feeling of this is amazing like th what i'm seeing is awesome can anybody else see this you know um and i can't wait to see what this looks like on the screen but that moment and it can only be it can only be like a two second moment millisecond moment even where you go okay that is the moment i got that moment and if you can then identify what those singular moments are and why they're interesting to you, then that helps to then build your kind of style and voice, you know, to help package it up. Um, so I love like spots of light. And if I can gravitate um, a client or my, ch my children or my subject to that spot of light, I know that that is going to fire something in my brain where even physically, like, you know, the, the hairs on my arms and I get a shiver thinking about it. I just did get a shiver thinking about it, but you know, or a sun flare with a cool subject as well. So something like that. It's, it's um, thinking about what your creative impulses are. One thing I um, love about that yeah. is um, how fun it is to go on photo walks with other photographers and realize that what sort of makes you excited isn't always the same thing as the person next to you, which is yeah, yeah. Again part of that finding your own style and voice because I've been out with other photographers and I love getting to hear what is it about that? Why are you pointing your camera there? What are you seeing? What are you looking at? Because it's often something very different than what I see. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it has been the light that's caught their eye and I'm looking at the color or yeah. they're looking at the shape or the lines of the building and I'm looking at the light. And so it's so fun to me to have those conversations when you're able right now yeah, or not yeah. able to do that as often. But when you're yeah. able to go on those kinds of photo walks with other people, it's, it's really inspiring yeah. for me and helps me yeah. kind of get outside of what I typically look for when I can hear what other people get excited about and what they're seeing when they're yeah exactly and I run I actually run photo walks here in Dubai 
um, through a company called Gulf Photo Plus, who one of the, and they're one of the region's like largest photography um, education providers here. And I run photo walks, and I love going on them and running them because you do either you get people who kind of are right next to you as the lead photographer, see, trying to see what you're seeing, but quite often I'm looking at what they're trying to see, you know, because what is interesting to them isn't necessarily something that I would have picked up on. And I think with your development as a photographer, it's, it's always about keeping kind of an open mind as to your way is not always the right way. There are other ways. There are an infinite number of ways to photograph things. And it's being alive to that and um, keeping that in mind so that you can push yourself and see things in a new way, see things differently um, and kind of embrace how, are the, how everyone's seeing things, you know? And I do love going on photo walks and then us all sharing the images and then seeing back, oh, you saw it differently or you captured it differently or how did you do that? And learning from each other that way is super interesting. Yes, it definitely is. You're lucky that you are a part of a group that does that on a regular basis. Yeah, yes. I know. It's just, well, they've all just started up again because, um, you know, obviously everything's been in lockdown. So it's just all these photo walks have just started up again. So and they're great to, um, they're a great creative outlet and doing something different around the city, you know, because quite often, as you know, living in a city, you just go from A to B to C to D and you don't necessarily go out into new places anymore. So, um, yeah. And also being here for 10 years, you kind of, and having moved around a lot when I'm young, when I was younger, you know, you, you do have to start seeing things constantly in a new light. Yes, I've been having some aha moments lately because I had really gotten focused on picking up my camera the most when we traveled, even if it was just day trips and not having had access to that these last nine, 10 months has been really challenging for me. Even though I live in a beautiful place, I, I love the ocean, but I am near the same ones. And so I'm going yeah. to the same place and I'm seeing the same things every day and having to really push myself to see it in a new way has been yeah. uh, a creative challenge for me lately. So, yeah. And I do think, I do think um, in the past, I have always been of the mindset in my own mind of if I've got a photo project, I need to take and I, I need some, to do something with my kids. I need to take them out somewhere. We need to go to the beach. We need to go to the park. We need to go somewhere. And actually what this whole year has taught me is that you don't need to do that at all. You can take amazing photographs of your own kids in your own home with the things that you already have. You don't need to buy things, go places. You can do it, you know. And that has been a massive learning point for me um, this year. And also something that pushes me. And I think one of the things I've learned about myself creatively is that by having constraint, like having a box and you, you know, physical box as in the house, but you, I have, and then more creative rather than having all the options in the world of all the places we could go to, you know, because give me all the options in the world and I, I'm overwhelmed, but give me one bedroom with one side light and I can come up with a hundred different ways to photograph something, you know, <laughs> and that has been, you know, a creative, um, exploration for me, I guess, over the past few months. Yes. And it's definitely a way to help try to think of new ways to photograph the same things. I've noticed in your work, you do um, some double exposures and maybe even some triple exposures and yeah. you do a lot with movement. And like I mentioned before, I, I really love the way you crop some of your photos. It's different than I'm what I think that I would look for going back to our previous conversation, but I've seen yeah. the way that you um, have, have focused in on the details of somebody like maybe their hands and yeah. it's beautiful. And so Maybe you can yeah, share a little bit more about like your approach with, with that. Um. Yeah, I think with um, this, I think there's a little bit, there's two kind of parts to it for me. Uh, with client work, I try and, I try and shoot um, in diptych kind of, you know, wide scene, focus scene, wide scene, focus scene, wide scene, focus scene. And I normally shoot with a 35 millimeter. So I'm physically moving, you know, because I've, I've done zoom lenses and they just, they just make me lazy. So I just love my prime lenses. Um, but then for my personal work, and this is, I think, where, you know, my growth going forward as a photographer comes in, 
because my personal work, I am a, a lot more um, experimental, especially with double exposures. Um, and I, I have tried in, I, I do do some in camera double exposures, but actually I really like the control and the creativity of pulling up two completely separate images that might have been shot on completely separate days in completely separate, separate circumstances and seeing that, oh, they could layer together really nicely. Um, you know, and, and that, that process, I mean, I'm not a lover of editing and a lover of Photoshop, but that creative um, spark definitely happens, you know, on the computer screen as well. Um, and sometimes then I think, oh, well, it was, uh, you know, it was magic that this happened and these things just happened to flow together. But <laughs> that's just like my wishful thinking, I don't know. I'm going to have to try that. I have done a project with film a few times where you shoot the roll of 35 and then you send it to somebody else or give it to somebody else. They put it in their camera and they shoot over it. So it's double exposures, but it's two separate places, two separate photographers. And sometimes you get really lucky with what overlays and sometimes yeah. it's just a hot mess. But the thought of going into my own photo archives and trying to pull yeah. photos and overlay them in Photoshop is not something that I've ever thought of doing. I didn't know that that was one of the ways that you yeah. were getting that result. And I am, I'm going to be trying that this week. <laughs> yeah, you and I think that's something about like, the, like um, being more creative is actually trying these things. Cause for a long time I was like, Oh, I know my camera can do double exposures, but I'm not ready to go there. And I was very close to this thought until the point where, You've only got a certain number of things to photograph because you're locked in, you know, in, in back into the constrained box. But then that has pushed me to think of different ways to photograph things. And suddenly double exposures has become like a really interesting way for me to be more creative and to get that layering that I really love. Um, but that's, that's something then that I'm trying more to do in my client work, which I know isn't, isn't necessarily following through yet. But I think it's all about like, I heard, I think it was Cindy Kavanagh was talking about muscle memory in a talk I heard her talk about. And she was saying, or, or it was Chloe, one of the two, because I follow them quite closely. Um, it was about muscle memory. So practicing all of these new things and all of these new techniques then will come through in your work further down the line. You know, you just have to build the muscle to, to make it happen. Which is so such a- analogy. Yes, and it's such a great- example of how we never stop growing as photographers. It's yeah. something that you can continue to sort of, or you can continue to evolve in your voice and in your style yeah. and incorporating different pieces of your, your journey as you go and as you learn new things. So yeah. I love that too about photography. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Are there a few other things that you were thinking have helped you uh, develop your voice and style as a photographer? That's a good question. I mean, I've done all the courses, all, like literally all the courses. I'm always doing a course, always looking for a course, always on something next, you know? Um, so I think that is, that is definitely something. And I love to, the reason I love doing courses is because I think, first of all, I've come from a training and development background, so I kind of see the value in constantly developing yourself. But also, I do like to see how other people, other people approach things, to pick up small tidbits or information or something that sparks your mind and then try that on, you know, and try on shooting in a different way, um, try on something, dif you know, something different. And whether that sticks or not is, uh, you know, up to you. But it, it, um, it's definitely a way to keep you um, inspired, I think. And even if it's not the entirety of that exercise that sticks, like say I go into Photoshop and start overlaying a few images this week and it doesn't stick, that's fine, but it still might help me visually see other opportunities and chances to look for double exposure when I'm out and I'm shooting the next time. So yeah, exactly. sometimes for me, I find that some of those courses and classes, it's not even necessarily the activity or the tip that I learned in the moment. It's, it's some sort of around about way that I find later that it's impacted my work. 
Yeah, yeah. I did a really amazing course over the summer um, with Jeff Starox and Yersa Daly Ward. She's a, she's he's a was a photographer and is now a speaker, and she's a writer. And it was mainly the main people that were on the course were other writers. But some of the creative exercises we had to do turned like my view of how to um, shoot something completely upside down. So one of the activities we had to do every week, we had an activity and it was to um, connect with somebody that you'd never met on a Zoom call like this um, and have a specific discussion about something. Okay. So there was a, like a question prompt about a time when you have experienced something. And then from the conversation, you listen to the other person give their view, their, their opinion and story. And then from that conversation, you create a piece of art. So it's, it's like being inspired by somebody new and then turning that, turning what they said, how they said it, what they haven't said, the intricacies of their body language even, into something, into something tangible that you have to create, you know? It was mind shifting, <laughs> and and hard, and hard, and like tricky and knotty and um, sticky. But that is always where like growth is always going to come from, you know. When something is hard and you feel like you're out of your comfort zone. Yes, that's definitely when I've seen the most growth. And I usually don't see growth when I'm taking courses or when I'm in a position where I'm doing something challenging like that in the moment. Again, it's something where I feel like later after I've sort of let all that information sink in or I've made it through the practice time where things have become more of the muscle memory that yeah. I feel like I can see it sink in. So when you do courses and you get feedback, I always feel like I'm, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, please don't be too harsh. Please don't yeah. be, you know, please just be kind with your words, but yeah. enough so that I grow, but not enough that I'm discouraged because yeah, then exactly. I can see later on, okay, it took me a little while to get there or to implement whatever it was that I was learning or to see the growth, but it does come. It does come yeah. from those yeah. challenging activities yeah. and, and pushing yeah. and you do to have creative. To, you do have to be pushed out of your comfort zone to, and to push yourself to do new things and to just try. It comes down to just, you just have to really try everything. Yeah. There are so many um, different things that you can, you can like step up and try. Um, that you don't know what sticks until it does, you know, until you find yourself doing it again. That's when I feel like it sticks. And I think the thing too, for me with trying new things is that the reminder, you don't have to share it. Nobody has to see it. It doesn't have to be a success. It likely won't be a success, but you're never going to know unless you try it. So I'm definitely one of those people that's all about experimenting. And a lot of times the things that I'm trying are never going to see the light of day. They're never going to make it past my computer screen for myself. That doesn't mean I'm not learning from them. It just, if you, if I'm not pushing myself to try new things and I don't find myself growing, I feel like I can get stagnant and just do yeah, the things yeah. I know work that I like. And so yeah. I think there it's, I think it's so important to just try new things and yeah. remember and that like there's no loss to it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's how that's also how to get through creative ruts. You know, you do you do often find yourself um, as a photographer, like in a in a space where you're like, I'm just not, there's just I don't feel inspired, and and the thing to then help you move out of that is literally the thing that you don't want to do. It's just to pick up the camera again. It's like the thing that you you can't be bothered to do. You can't see the reason for doing it because you know you're in a rut. But that's what gets you through it. You know. Um, and that's the only way to get over your creative rut, really. I mean, there is other ways because uh, for me, to, I have been in creative ruts in the past and I, it's about recognizing maybe that I need a change of scene. Maybe that I need a new um, source of inspiration. Maybe I need to change my famous five. You know, maybe I'm too stuck on these people that I'm following, that I'm um, inspired, looking for inspiration from. Maybe I need to uh, go to a new city. Maybe I need to book a hotel trip to a new town something for a change of scenery um or the other thing for getting out of creative ruts is to do some portfolio shoots you know and do something completely different and shoot in a completely different way with people who aren't, aren't paying you to do it and you're you're wanting to do something 
different altogether. I love all of those tips. And I wrote a few notes down for myself. <laughs> I'm going to have to decide um, how I'm going to go about finding my famous five tomorrow. I will let you know who they are. No, just kidding. Do you remember there was that Friends episode where they laminated it? Where uh, Ross, was it Ross and Rachel laminated their, I can't remember which characters it was, who, who they could cheat, who, who, if they walked into the room, who they could cheat on. And yes. They had it on a little, Laminate, and I think Ross laminated his. Yes. But, um, <laughs> you don't have to laminate it. It's changeable. Yes. Yes. It's an edible list. I'm going to have to think about that. I have never heard that tip before, but I really like it because it is, it is hard sometimes, especially in our digital day and age, to be able to tune out all of the different influences and voices that are coming through. So I like the idea of sort of identifying these are the people who I'm going to really focus on watching and analyzing and looking at what is it in that photo that I'm really drawn to? What is it that I really like? What can I pull out of that and try in my own work? And, and like you said, just sort of letting, you can still enjoy the other work, but letting a little bit of it, letting a little bit more of it sort of just move past you. Exactly. Exactly. That's the way, that's the way that I do it. It, It seems to work okay so far. Yes, I, I like that. You've given us so many tangible tips. I, I'm so excited to go back through and, and think about what I can start doing for myself. So yeah. do you have any current projects that you're working on right now that you want to share with us? Um, current projects. So for, the, for my um, kind of training and development side, I do work for um, a company called Golf, Golf Photo Plus, who are, as I said, like the region's largest photography um, education specialist here in Dubai, in the UAE. Um, and alongside one of my friends, uh, Leanne Dawes, we're doing a business of family photography workshop, which we're going to be starting working on very soon to then roll out in kind of January, February time. And that's hopefully going to be aimed at like, you know, do you remember that time where you were a junior photographer and you knew that you wanted to be a family photographer? but you didn't quite know how to structure it, how to do portfolio shoots, how to price things, how to do your website, all of that, all of that, how to run a shoot, what photos you should be getting, what is on your shot list, um, all of that stuff, basically. Um, And it'll be a one or two day course. So that's kind of, that's pretty exciting because hopefully we're then, then like training up the next generation of family photographers in the UAE, which is super exciting. Um, For me, like, what I would love to do is write more blog posts, articles, you know, to get um, creative exercises. And the thing that is something I love. And the more you write, I mean, I'm not a expert writer, but the more you write, the better you get at writing, you know, same as photography, really. Um, so that's something that I'd love to do more in 2021. And I guess, um, it's also trying to find the balance between now, you know, I spent months doing a lot of personal work and now I'm heavily into client work and it's trying to bring that back together again a little bit because I feel like it's a bit out of balance at the moment. And um, yeah, and I think, I think we've all been become more aware over the past year or the past six months about work-life balance. Um, and I think that's for me a challenge. It sounds like you have a lot of really exciting things on the horizon coming up. That workshop sounds amazing. It definitely sounds like something that I would have liked years ago when I was trying to decide, is family photography something that I can do as a business? Do I want to do it as a business? If so, what does that look like? It sounds like you're going to answer all of those questions for some really lucky photographers. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully, Yes, yes, yeah. And I think we're, we're always on the search for that that balance. Yeah. I, know, I know I am. It's, um, I use photography and that creative outlet as an offset for the stress in my job. And my job isn't photography. It's, it's a non-related field. And so I'm able to use photography as sort of the balance, but I can see how doing the family sessions as the business part, and then also using your camera for the creative part, could be a challenge to try to figure out how those fit together. Yeah, how they fit together, because it's a very blurred work-life balance. 
yes. at the moment. You know? Yes, yes. And then you know, and then there's day to day kind of challenges like um, like the Instagram loops that we do with the cooking moms groups, um, and I've got a few things like that. So there's the smaller projects that kind of keep me busy, but the main the main focus at the moment is client work as it's getting towards Christmas time and the weather here is amazing now and everybody wants to shoot outside. So Are you- I'm on my and I'm on my constant banging my drum for home sessions. <laughs> and, and everybody wants to be outside in the sunshine with the blue skies. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So now I'm trying to incorporate the two. So now I'm saying, okay, well, we can go to the desert, but can we start at home? Can I come to your home first? And then we can go to the desert. Yes. And that is, that's then educating my clients, you know, as well as scratching my creative itch. But also then they get double, really double the images, you know, because you're doing two locations. So. Yes, it works quite nicely like that. It's a it's a creative way for you to get some for some portfolio yeah, pieces exactly. too to help show more what that home session could look like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So tell us where everybody can find you online. Um, so my main um, main place is Instagram, I would say, and it's I'm Natalie Robinson underscore Life in Color. So Natalie, the English way with no H. And colour the British way with C O L O U R um, is my Instagram, and my uh, website is natalierobinson.me. And those are the two main places. Well, I hope everybody will go find you and start following you because your work is beautiful and inspiring. And I loved our chat today. Thank you so much for sharing such great, tangible takeaway tips for all of us, including myself. Thank you so much. I'm so flattered that you asked me to do this. So lovely. Thank you so much, Alison. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining Natalie and I and listening in on our conversation today. I hope you are leaving feeling inspired to get creative with your camera and with your photography. If you are, I would really appreciate it. Any reviews that you would be willing to leave on Apple Podcasts or share this with your friends if you think that they might enjoy listening You can also follow along on the podcast journey on Instagram at the Creative Frame Podcast, where I share clips and quotes and photos from our inspirational photographers that join me for these chats chats each week. Again, thank you so much for being here.